This is the Final Whistle Podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Well, welcome to Dragon Heart, a special Dragon Heart as me and Mark are both in the stadium in the newly named Wrexham Lager stand. Pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it looks the same as it used to, but somehow it feels different. More Wrexham lager Yeah, more Wrexham Well, yeah, and the season tickets are absolutely flying out downstairs. There's a lot of hard-working workers and volunteers trying to get the season tickets out as quickly as possible. It's quite a hard task, I think. Well, you know, because you were doing it for a bit. Che was doing the whole good man volunteering thing. Um, I see myself very much as the Princess Diana of this football <laughs> club, so I didn't, uh, I didn't snag a nail. Oh, I do have some hairs out of place, so I've got to be up. But for those of you watching the video, I've got an impressive tuft that um, you'll be able to enjoy watching throughout the broadcast. Well, we've got plenty to talk to, as well as this beautiful backdrop behind us, which looks absolutely amazing and professional. We have some new signings, some new rumours. We've got, the, we've got to look back at the Solio game. We've also got an interview with Jack McCraft. So let's get on. God, get on with it. Hi guys, I'm Dominic Vose and uh, this is Dragon Hot. Well, just a really tough away game to start off the season, I think, Mark. Um, but I really think that's a solid, even though we know we conceded the goal last minute, I think that's a solid point away from home. I can't remember the last time I've seen us letting an injury time goal that changes the result and all the fans come away as happy as they were. Because, frankly, yeah watching that felt like what you would hope we were going to see yeah. you know there were, there were elements of our play that really were very impressive and there were other elements that weren't but to be fair Parkinson's made no secrets of it we've said out all the way through summer this squad's not finished yet as we'll get on to with the new signings and other possible new signings um, so yeah all right, the defence wasn't quite right. We weren't quite right when we didn't have the ball. We didn't control the ball as much as I'd like to see us going forwards. But we, ha- we have not made some important signings. So bearing in mind we've not quite got that, and we've got injuries, bearing all that in mind, and I really think Solihull Moore's going to be a, a genuine threat this season, a cracking result. Yeah, I think so. Away from home, in a, I don't think we've have we even drew away at Solihull for a long time. Lost the last four. Yeah. It, drew a nil-nil there so that's four years ago yeah and then won our very first ever game there through a penalty yeah so before today we'd played six games there and scored two goals one of which was a penalty and this is a very well improved Solihull side as well I would say so they've lost none of their key players um, anyone who's made 12 or more appearances last season is still there and they finished the season superbly yeah and they brought in some quality they've got two good strikers they brought in that we talked about at length yeah in the preview and um, we actually controlled them very well. It was it was the threat coming from midfield that caused the issue. Right. Okay. So, what are the good points of Wrexham then this game? Um, as we predicted going forwards, yeah. Mullin continues to clearly be too good for this league. Yeah. Um, honestly, I mean, he was terrific. He was dangerous. He's sparky. He's alive. Hyde was excellent. I mean, those two played exactly as we expected. They they dovetailed really well. Hyde away held the ball. It was was fantastic. Uh, we had thrust down either wing. Winfielders got up to support. Going forwards, we broke quickly. We looked really, really good. Yeah. Um, and individually, there were good performances at the back as well. It was more of a structural issue, slightly, that caused us problems, I think. Um, Hayden, on his debut, 
outstanding man of the match for me absolutely outstanding we really looked a cut above mm. well done Clowerth we didn't see that coming really we didn't think he'd he'd go for Clowerth I'm so glad he did pick him because he really did well he, 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 the whole team had a nervous first 10 and he was one of them and then it settled and Clowerth was was very calm figure and French as well as well the, the three centre-backs had a good game yeah it's, it's easy to remember everyone thinks of French as this seasoned player but he's also a very young centre-half he's playing for a club like Wrexham isn't he yeah exactly and it'll be interesting to see what happens at Eastleigh obviously and what happens in the transfers <laughs> market because French did very well at centre-back and yet we lost Reese Hall Johnson to injury we still there's cards are being played close to the chest we don't know the exact extent of his injury I hope it's not as bad as it looks but surely he's going to be out for a little bit at least so if French is at right wing back we need to reshuffle that threadbare defence again so it'll be interesting to see where French is surely he's got to be right wing back on Saturday and then we're going to have to well hopefully find a way to make the back three solid so explain the Riesel Johnson situation what actually happened because for people who couldn't mm. listen to the Mixler commentary or shame on them yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, well I mean basically he had a shall we say a, a rather rough five minutes mm. the first incident oh, I think it's unrelated but I've got to say it I just can't finish I still can't get my head around it um, the ball's cleared to the halfway line. He sprints across to get there. Sparrow, the player who was scored both Solihull's goals, is sprinting with him. Paul Johnson gets there first and puts it out cleanly for a throw-in before Sparrow has arrived. And then after the ball has gone, Sparrow jumps in, hits Reese Hall Johnson about hip height and cuts him in half. The referee bucks Hall Johnson. Now then, I was going nuts in the commentary and I'm always a little wary though because sometimes you go nuts at what you see and then when you watch the video you think oh my gosh that actually it was the far side of the pitch from me you think that actually wasn't exactly as I saw it so when I got the footage and looked at it I'm thinking okay well I'm have I made a fool of myself here look worse on the video I mean he didn't he cut him it it was like he didn't do it with his studs it was his body hitting him Hall Johnson just puts the bar for throwing that's the extent of his crime um, and as I, I've said in the commentary, and I stand by it having seen the video, the Sparrow is out of control. He's just hurled himself. Now, that is the actual definition of a red card, a reckless challenge where you are out of control. I, don't, I think it was a yellow, a very stern yellow personally, if I was the ref, to Sparrow. But a ref could see it as a red, and Hall Johnson got booked. It was astounding. So Hall Johnson, if you haven't seen his face on the highlights, you've got to see his face on the highlights. He, he just can't believe even that a free kick's been given against him and the yellow card comes out and he's just astounded. But as well as that, I mean, a couple of minutes later, he slides in for a tackle and it's not totally clear what happens. Apparently it's his groin that's the issue. So right. if he twisted it, it was a sliding tackle by him. I thought at first that Terrell Williams, who's a big centre-back, uh, had trodden on him, to be honest, uh, and done some damage to him that way. Accidentally, there was no malice in, in Williams at all. Harry, uh, Johnson, Hall Johnson was making the tackle. And he sort of got up and then went back down again, and he looked in agony. And we're right next to the, co the commentary area is right next to the tunnel. And when Hall Johnson was brought around, it took a while to come all around the pitch. 
he still had his head in his hands, he still was in real pain, obviously. And we were all genuinely worried he'd done something catastrophic. And if it's a groin injury, then hope, well, you know, and his groin injury isn't a, a middle ligament or anything, but we haven't heard anything about how he is. He played well as well, frustrating, and defended very well, because they were trying to get at the flanks, and he and record defended well, stayed in their feet, did well. Well, that's a crying shame, isn't it? Or maybe Cameron Green can play right wing back or something like that. If we need French, we, we are very light at the back, aren't we? At this moment in time, yeah. things may change. Yeah. You never know. But yeah, it, the goal, the goals, let's talk about the goals. Paul Mullen penalty, how, how did that come about? Come oh, about? Um, through the magic of Mullen, really. Right. And the dreadful defending of uh, one of their debutants, was all the old Preston who was the right-sided centre-back, so basically um, Dibble knocked it long, Hyde held it up well, as he does, Young dinked it over the top, but Preston was there first and was running it back to the keeper, and it, I mean, well, firstly, you've got to call out Preston for it, you know, you're ushering the ball back to your goalkeeper, you've got a striker behind you, you make sure that guy can't come round you, well, look at the highlights, he just steps off it, it's ludicrous, I mean... <laughs> he's got to protect his keeper there and he doesn't so the keeper's committed and impression just steps out of the way and having called him out massive credit to Mullen chasing a lost cause because he shouldn't get there the defender should do his job he doesn't so Mullen keeps chasing just gets there ahead of the keeper and the keeper's yeah. committed and pulls him down absolute cast even that ref saw it so cast iron penalty and then um, well fair play to Mullen thinking that maybe even a penalty is a chance to win goal this season he launched yes. into it. Wow, he nearly ripped the net off of that. It was a <laughs> Unstoppable. <hell> Unstoppable <laughs> penalty. Great penalty by Mullen. And then the second goal. Oh. Well, I've heard people say it was the best goal in Wrexham history <laughs> on Twitter. Not seeing Mark Jones versus Cambridge away. <laughs> yeah. Personally, that's my favourite Wrexham goal. Don Vos might have something to say about it. Don Vos as well. <laughs> Maybe we should do that as a segment in the future. Best oh. Wrexham FC goal. That's next week's sorted. Next week, and we'll do a vote. Beautiful. Right. Anyway, that's next week's sorted, not now, but... I think the, the winner at Eastleigh will be the, the winner of that competition. Uh, dibble, bicycle kick. Yes. <laughs> from his own half <laughs> into the goal. Anyway, I'm predicting that. But anyway, that was um, that was one hell of a strike, wasn't it? Longfoot as well. Hasn't scored an away goal in eight years. Hasn't scored a goal in about six, if I remember correctly. Um, and... It, the penalty changed the atmosphere of the, mm. the game. I mean, the Wrexham fans were superb, but after that, the whole place felt different. The teams felt different. And then building on it, four minutes later, you get that goal. Oh, my gosh, what a hit. I, mean, I was right behind it. It's one of those beautiful ones where it's such a clean hit. The moment it left his foot, you're like, oh, <laughs> he scored this. Oh, man, what a goal. Big Wonderful. shout to the Wrexham fans. There were some limbs going on, wasn't there, when that goal went in. I was so jealous looking yeah. at the footage. I was like, I wish I was there. <laughs> it looked awesome didn't it by the way fans yeah. well firstly um, big credit to Lee Milford our cameraman because he actually had to go down there as an emergency in the end uh, Solihull didn't have their cameraman so he jumped in late notice he filmed it and he did it. he always does a really good job of cutaways um, and he did as always in this game and so he realised the moment he scored a goal like that show the celebration of the players for a moment but get on to the yeah. way end because yeah. My gosh, I was thinking the same thing as I was there. It was just, well, I said in the commentary, and I don't think it came across quite right, but 
the bits in Game of Thrones where they have all the zombies <laughs> all clambering in a big mass up the, up the wall, you know? It really looked like that. It was just arms and legs everywhere. Limbs. It was incredible. Absolute limbs. The fact that it was a, it's a small stand just emphasised that. You know, it's all crammed in together. Oh my gosh, it was, it was something to see. And I think we're going to see a lot of that this season mm. uh, at the race course as well. Oh, and it, yeah. It's just going to be... It's going to be excellent, isn't it? I hope so. You know? I hope so. Um, and shall we talk about the goals we conceded? Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, we looked edgy at the start. It looked like we'd sort of ridden it out, but we weren't really controlling midfield. Mm. There was a pretty big gap in front of our back three in, in central areas quite often, which we also saw at Curzon Ashton. And I think what it essentially is, is... We have not quite got our pressing right. I, I, I think I can see after that match what we're looking to do, and when we're doing it well, it's very effective. But when we're not doing it so well, it can be dangerous. So basically, what we, I think we're looking to do, the trigger for the press is when they go wide. So when a fullback or a wingback's coming forwards, that's when we press. We don't press them when they're moving it around in the centre circle. When they go wide, then you press. Mullen, for example, when, when they're going down the left, Mullen is very hard working without the ball, so he's racing down to support. You've got your midfield, two midfielders maybe will come across and press, the wing-back comes up, and basically the idea is that once they've gone down the flank, of course, they, their options are cut down by 50%, aren't they? If you're the left wing-back and you're going down the left wing, you can't pass it left because that's the, the touchline. So the touchline presses for you because they can't go past over the line, and then you only have to press their right-hand side, and then they're in, a, in trouble. And the best they can do is knock it backwards. Often we got it right, won the ball off them and hit them on the break because the wing-back's out of position. So it often worked really well, and I think it's, it's worth persevering with that type of pressing. But we didn't always get it right. And, of course, the risk there, of course, is that when you press like that in your own half and the ball is successfully played inside, there's a huge gap in the middle of the pitch because your centre-mids have come across to press. So when we didn't get it right, we were left open. And Maycox, they have two centre mids. Maycox uh, was one of them, and he was driving forwards and getting into some great shooting positions and passing. And I was pretty relieved that he was passing, to be honest, because you get into the edge of the area mm. um, with time. But then Sparrow, who's a good player, and he was playing in this. I've never seen him as central as this, more as an attacking midfielder than a wide man. Uh, he was, when he was given the chance, he nailed it in the top left corner. It was, I mean, a wonderful strike, but no pressure on him. You know, it was fair way out, 25 yards, but no pressure on him. And then the second goal, he's nailed it into the top right corner. That's from closer in, around the edge of the area. And it's essentially because he was Mullen's man from the corner, but he, he managed to lose him. But, I mean, wonderful finishes by Sparrow. I mean, and he's a good, like I say, he's a good, he's a good striker. Frustrating because, you know, probably. The chances of a player at our level hitting the both top corners in one game is pretty slim, but he did it. That's life. <laughs> that is life, and it, to be fair, it's not a horrendous result, oh. is it? You know, we were bigging up Soil quite a bit mm. <laughs> in the in the last preview, and I, I really do think they could even make a race for the title this year as well as us. Um, really, really interesting. Mm. This, this season's going to be for many different reasons. Like, yeah. look at Stockport. They just lost 3-1 on the weekend to Dagenham, didn't yeah. they? So, yeah, absolutely crazy. So, overall thoughts, happy with the result. Yeah, yeah, really happy. Because, I mean, I completely agree. 
I, it's not a great stretch of the imagination to see Solihull challenging for the title for me yeah. and certainly they'll be in the shout for the playoffs no question so um, yeah I, I, it's a good result I think if we had if we could play that game two weeks later with more yeah. players in then I think we'd win it and we should have won it because the other key thing that I haven't mentioned really is the second half was very different the first half was very open and until we scored Solihull I think had the better of it yeah. and then once we scored we looked like we could have scored more than just two and looked really impressive and then the second half we looked really controlled it was a totally different game we let Solihull have the ball at the time and they were just moving it around and they couldn't get anywhere near our goal and what changed it was Huddling the massive striker who we were all obsessed about last week came on and actually I mean frankly he's not that great in the air considering his size but consider his size he's just massive yeah. and he causes confusion around him more than anything else and, and, and that just gave them for the first time and they didn't get it going until about well pretty much until injury time started they they, they they started to just knock balls in, just put it in a mixer more. And it, like I say, he wasn't winning them, but we weren't getting them away properly. It was just causing consternation. And the second goal comes from a second ball from a corner. And it just, it was just, you know, I mean, fair play to them. They, they weren't getting anywhere. We were in total control. So they were threw something into the mix that was different. Right. And yeah. it came off. And if it hadn't done that, we'd have won comfortably. We would have held on comfortably one goal lead's not enough and I think Parkinson might be a bit disappointed we didn't show more on the break in the second half we did make a couple of good late chances actually but we'd really only made those chances after Hudlin came on because that was Solihull taking risks they changed their shape to four at the back you know so they threw new questions at us but then we were exploiting them at the back as well and McAlinden who was very lively when he came on he was really unlucky not to score Mullen was unlucky not to score another you know so but I think Parkinson probably would have liked to have seen us more dangerous on the break before that point. Hmm. But yeah, I'm, t- I'm, I'm happy with the point, and it's a good point. As, as we are a team that's just starting to gel, with a little bit of teething issues, a 2 to, two hmm. result against Solihull at the start of the season, not bad at all. I'd rather be us than Stockport, in terms of, gel, of um, teething problems. Yeah. yeah. And that does happen, I mean, Stockport will be good this season. Yeah, Stockport will be good. Yeah. Dagenham will be good as well. So yeah. losing to Dagenham is not a horrendous mm. result for them. But so. teams take a while to settle. Yeah. So Stockport will settle and will be good. But sometimes in that settling process, you have poor performances. That, that always happens. And if we can, as we're settling, take draws and not losses, yeah, yeah. then that's points on the board, isn't it, at the end yeah. of the day? And wins, because we have, we have got the stri- we've got the strike force. Yeah. So there's no question about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm perfectly happy with it. Remember as well, Solihull Moors last year won 15 home games. Yeah. They're good at home. Yeah. And they beat us 4 0 in the cup there as well. Yeah. Decent. And they, they, yeah, they beat us in the league as well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm also happy with the new sign in. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart. Well, another new sign in, James Jones from Lincoln City, a League One club, I believe. Mm. Good signing. Fantastic signing, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, sends a mid. And again, us shopping at Harrods, yeah. which is a good thing, I think. And you, you know a bit about him, you've been in contact with Lincoln. Fans. Well, I've, um, I want to say thanks to Rob Brisley. I, um, Sean Brisley's brother. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've messaged uh, a Lincoln fan, yeah, Rob Brisley. He said he's a box to box tackle midfielder. Before Christmas, he was in the first team, but COVID and his teammates' form put him on the bench. 
I'm shocked he's gone, but we're, we're getting a good fee and a good sell on. He seems pretty happy, he said. To be fair, you have the money to attract the players. He's going to be a big fish in a small pond. He's easily good enough to be a good, really good League Two player, or maybe even bottom of League One. He should rip the National League up. Sounds good. So that's excellent. <laughs> sounds good yeah. to me. <laughs> and well, that maintains our our pattern, doesn't it? We, we we predicted it a few weeks ago, and, and it, it's happened, hasn't it? Really, where Mullen was the first step in bringing in players of this ilk. You know, convincing players who have got an offer on the table who are from a higher division that we are serious if you can get Mullen to come here okay this is a proper club we're going for they're going places so they'll take us more seriously and so that's now what three signings in a row from League One or you know of who are you know players who anticipate to do well in League One yeah and Hayden who was yeah. very well thought of centre half in League Two yeah. who was touted to go to a League One yes. club oh, yeah, so yeah. Again, that's a tasty signing. I'm sure. I've, I'm sure I could be wrong. Some Lincoln fans have said he's from Cheshire, isn't he, James Jones? He's Scottish. Is he Scottish? Well, I don't know what, what originally. Actually, I'm sure I saw something about his, his birthplace not being what I expected. But um, I'll have could, a sneaky could be check. wrong. I'm sure someone said he he knows people around here, so he, it's closer to me, I suppose. But he, yeah, he yeah. seems like a good box-to-box midfielder, another League One level. Player, you just can't complain, can you, with this transfer market? I mean, need um, meaty, shall we say, players. Yeah. Uh, in that, we've got a lot of attacking midfielders. I mean, if you, I, I, I was, I quite like the idea of you know, have you got cover? Have you got one player who can cover each position? Yeah. Well, if you look at what um, Phil Parkinson has inherited from the retained list, we've got four players. Well, three players he inherited who can play attacking midfield, and he's brought in McAlinden. Yeah. So we've got too many players in that position. So we need more of those sorts of, like I said, box-to-box central midfielders. Okay, box-to-box attacking player, Jones. Brilliant. Mm. But, yeah, we, we've got a lot of sort of number 10 slash attacking midfielders. We maybe need some of the... Because yeah. apart from young... David Jones and Jordan Davis, who really I'd like to see higher up the pitch, don't have anyone else who can play centre mid except Clowith. Yeah. Who's yeah, and, and I wonder whether we will look at a sort of defensive midfielder, out and out defensive midfielder yeah. as the last piece of the jigsaw. Maybe someone who can do that or play centre back. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> we we do. I think we do need that sort of, as you said in the past, Danny Williams sort of destroyer type in. So that's someone who's just a layer in front of the defence who's going to cause a nuisance for opposition strikers, really, don't we, really? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. So, yeah. Never hurts. It never hurts. It never hurts. And we, we, we've had a very... It's been a very good transfer market so far, and there's yeah. been some crazy rumours this week that maybe Ben Tozer could be joining the ranks. Well, they're not rumours, really. Yeah, like it's, it's confirmed, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's confirmed. Yeah, yeah, confirmed. Um, and that's quite something, isn't it, really, if we're able to... To do that, then a, a player of that, yeah, player of that caliber. Is there much more you know about Max? As I said, I, there's only so much football I can watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, firstly, can I, I've just cheated there, and uh, James Jones is born in Dundee. Oh, right. Okay. Which is unless Cheshire have launched an attack oh, in the last well, half hour. Well, I, I did, see, I did, see, I did see on Twitter. Twitter's never right, not well, always right. So, oh, there is another James Jones. Who, yeah. Was that Barrow? Is it? I want right, to say okay. who came through the Welsh league and is from Wrexham. 
so, so I do they apologize. may well be. Yeah, I do apologize. Well, don't worry, it's Twitter's fault. I think people <laughs> may well be looking, looking at him. I mean, as for Tulsa, and yes, I mean, we, we can't talk about this because it is a fact that we've made a bid. Yeah. Um, because Cheltenham have said yeah. that we made a bid. Uh, I mean, that would be a hell of a signing. You know, he's, he's 31, he's been around the block, he's a proper big, sort of hefty centre back. He's played, what, over 150 games in Northampton, getting on for 150 for Cheltenham. He's Cheltenham's captain. The manager was praising him on Tuesday because, you know, he's obviously had an offer and saying how he still played really well. I mean, that would be one heck of a signing if we could pull something like that off. Be the biggest signing of it. Well, him and Mullen are going to be the biggest signings of the transfer window if we manage to get him, if we can meet the asking price, mm. if both clubs can negotiate. But it's just crazy how we're turning heads of League One players. They're thinking, mm. I'm fancying a bit of this. On Bappe next week, isn't it? Could well be. <laughs> Could well be. <laughs> no, uh, that, I mean, exactly. That's what I mean. Mullen, the statement signing. So that other players in League One and League Two suddenly think, whoa. That's a project. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. We get to meet Deadpool. We could even meet Dan Vito if we play our cards right. I think the Mullen thing was the big one. I think that really yeah. did get heads turned because mm. I believe I could be right. Even Middlesbrough were in for Mullen at one point. Yeah. And that says a hell of a lot, doesn't it? Well, what we've seen in pre-season and what we've seen on Saturday, I can see why. Absolutely well, can see why. I could see him in the Championship squad. Mm. You know, we've seen. Look, if you look at Mullen, I. When have we really seen a striker of that? When's the last time we really seen a striker of that quality? Yeah, yeah. Louis Malt, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Or, like I've said before, he reminds me in style a bit of Trundle. Trundle, yeah. That, and and that sort of crowd pleasing manner about him yeah. and his his animation, if you will, when he scores, when he misses, you know, yeah. he's the he's a real his character comes out very clearly as well, doesn't it? So. Yeah, it's it's just nice to know that Wrexham is still not done after mm. glamorous signing after glamorous signing. But glamorous signing, it's not just a glamorous signing. It's it's the quality. It's the it? quality signing. Yeah, and yeah. people really want to come here and packed out race course. It, it's it's going to be exciting times. <laughs> well, after this, we've got an interview with Jack McCreff. I'm Liam McClendon, and this is Dragon Heart. Oh, well, Jack, thank you so much for, for joining us. You, uh, okay. It's, well, I'm going to start again again because I can't remember what my first question was. <laughs> well, three, <laughs> two, three, two, one. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us. And, well, firstly, coming in to Wrexham at the time that you did, I mean, it was, a, it was an exciting challenge, I think, wasn't it? It must have been sold well to you for you to come to us from League One. Yeah, obviously I'd, um, I was at a time for Berry in the in the January, um, and obviously I met the gaffer during the close season, and um, I had to sort of make a decision whether I was prepared to drop down from one um, to come to Wrexham. But if I'm completely honest, I was sort of play at best at Berry. Um, obviously, I had to take the plunge of to leave Macclesfield at the time. But from speaking to Gaffer, um, obviously I can remember being still on the pitch and he was talking about players that he was going to bring in, sort of um, how he was going to play. And obviously a lot of the players he was talking about bringing in I'd played with before. Um, they were big characters. Um, I was looking forward to sort of reconnecting with them and I knew that sort of he was mentioning, Chris Holroyd, Sam Wedgbury, Scott Bowden. 
Um, I knew Rudders there, Sean Pearson, um, were experienced players at that level. And I, I, from what the players you were saying, thought at the time, this is an opportunity to join a club where you're going to be sort of directly involved, you're seen regularly playing, um, and have a chance of being a project, if you like. Yeah, and it did feel like a project, didn't it? You know, the way he's pulling players together. Character was obviously really important in that squad. Maybe people don't appreciate that as much as they ought to from the outside. You know, but you've got players who are pushing you and expecting you to match their standards. It raises the whole level overall, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I think uh, I actually, well, it's massive in football. It's not only just about obviously skill and quality on the pitch. You've got obviously a good, good group of co- characters within the changing room. Um, and I think we definitely had that in abundance. Um, I've been to the gaffer a number of times, so obviously during his career, it was obviously being key to the time. Um, and you can tell from when he was playing, he was a character. Uh, yeah. He was obviously a winner. He was obviously a good lad in the changing captain. Um, and I think he obviously built him, his team based around his personality. Um, and obviously, as I said, uh, when, when we built this team together, we all did demand enough from each other. I think obviously the example of that is when I come in, I knew Paul Rutherford for a number of years before I actually signed for Exxon. And he so almost kicked on as soon as I signed. And we almost like um, we got on really, really well. Even we speak every day, well, not every day, every other week, me and brothers. Um, and it, we almost pushed each other every day. Um, and obviously, seeing he's gone on to do well at Rex, I'm not going to be there next year, I don't think. But yeah, it was. It was everyone was sort of a lot from each other. I think we were so unlucky not to go up that. Yeah. It was a shame that, you know, when Dean left when he did and and the season just petered away a little bit because we looked really well set at the time, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, to be honest with you, I, around sort of December, January time, I thought we were not nailed on to go up, but we were on an unbelievable run. Um, and as I said, I've mentioned sort of the characters with the changing room. I can remember I had a couple of injuries sort of during pre-season and I sort of was, stop starving myself that year unfortunately in terms of a couple of hamstrings injuries couldn't seem to get fit but it was much of a good group it was almost like a family orientated feel uh, I can remember sort of playing a game and being devastated to be playing but so happy that we got the three points and that we were still to the league but um, it, yeah it, it, I thought that year it was going to be our year if it was I think we, I thought around Christmas time we could just sort of hang on um, especially, I think it was 11, 12 games um, yeah. unbeaten that year. Um, I think also if we continue this reign of form, we, we could probably almost peak too soon, if you like. Um, but obviously, the gaffer leaving, I think it sort of changed the dynamics a bit. Um, I can't really put my finger on what changed, but as I said, the, the manager leaving for any club midway season is going to have a massive effect on the team itself. And it's a, it was a shame as well, because um, I think a lot of fans don't appreciate uh, Andy Davis's qualities. I think from the outside, fans don't get to see what he does. When I talk to people from within the football, they're always consistently saying he's a really, really strong coach. So I think there was a, a misconception in fans' minds of, oh, Andy Davis isn't as good and it's not, you know, it, it, it hasn't worked out because of that. But actually, people within the game who've worked with him speak exceptionally highly of him. Um, well, yeah, no, I, I've just met, I couldn't put my finger on what, what what happened in the gaffer left. I think Andy's a brilliant coach. I still speak to Andy regularly now. Um, 
he's more hands-on with the players. Him and Carlo, uh, we're sort of hands-on with the lads, take most of the sessions, put a lot of escape sessions on. And we were really, really organised as a team that year. The it was sort of um, really good at recruitment um, to play in, if you like. <laughs> um, but when, when the guy left, nothing really changed in terms of any of the training sessions, any routines for games. Um, I don't know whether, it's, as I said, the dynamics of not having the gaffer there just slightly altered the way his personality was. And he's a lovely fella, gets on with all the players, gets the best out of all the lads as well. I think he was the one that the players had actually approached had any sort of problems his coaching sessions were brilliant everyone had enjoyed as well that's half the battle when you've got sort of 25 30 players some are playing some are playing some injuries it's difficult i imagine at times to keep everyone happy but he managed to get the best out of everyone um but i don't know whether it was just the dynamics changed slightly i can remember we played um I think it was fleet away and it was one of the time we i think we, we did lose the game i think um i remember the shape not being quite right and um, and he's coming at full time and I remember him speaking and everyone was desperate to because they were aware that the gaffer had left and he had sort of took charge um, and they, they were, we were desperate to not only win for ourselves to go up but for, for Andy's sake everyone obviously at the club and you, as a player realised what, what he was doing how good he was um, she said it was a shame that it just didn't the dynamics changed slightly I think uh, yeah, absolutely. But he's yeah, a top bloke who's under-recognised, I think, by uh, in general by the fans. I think so. Um, uh, just to talk about yourself as well, I mean, it was, I'll be honest, it was sort of frustrating to watch you because you could see that injury had set you back a bit. It, it's the worst time to have an injury, isn't it, pre-season? Um, and uh, it, it just was a shame that you weren't quite able to get that regular run, to get that chance to really show what you could do. I think... To be honest, I don't know. Well, similar to sort of Andy, that the fans and the the media outside the club don't get really get to see what's going in on day to day. They just get to see a Saturday afternoon essentially. Um, I, when I come to the club, um, obviously come back pre-season, I didn't need to do me me groin, some sort of across my hips, and it was injury which stopped you playing, but stopped you training to your maximum, stopped you sprinting, stopped your recovery. Um, and I, I had to obviously go and, I had to go and see a specialist with the gaff and the physio at the time, Phil, and his advice was to have six weeks off to do a pre-season and then go, I can remember the lads um, every day and I was going to swim with the physio. So to have, I had to sort of do pre-season, have six weeks off and then another pre-season on my own. Um, and that means you're almost six weeks behind before you've even started. A new club, you want to sort of hit the ground running. Um, and I don't know whether I'd sort of put too much pressure on myself to get back fit, but I didn't actually do the full six weeks. I can remember um, coming back a little bit too soon, um, and I tweaked me in the first 20 minutes of the game, that me first, me come back. Um, and as I said, it was just after then, I felt like it was catch-up, um, the full months of that year. But as I said, the problem come, and I don't know whether any yourself even knew, it was a case of when I see, went to see the specialist, he said, no, you need not do anything for six weeks. It's just an inflammatory, I don't even know, what to do with your, your groin and your hips. And he did six weeks of doing nothing. So to go from having a full pre-season to not running for six weeks, yeah. obviously going to be playing catch-up. 
Um, I was devastated as well. As I said, I was really forward to getting started. And when you sign somewhere new in the summer, you're almost looking forward to get back, even though you know pre-season is going to be difficult in the running. I was, it was probably one of the fittest I'd been. I'd done a lot of training off in the off-season. And I was really looking forward to getting back. But... Um, yeah, it's a shame that things just don't work out at times for whatever reasons. There's a way, doesn't it? But yeah, I, I still have not regrets about it, but um, I'm disappointed the way that it did work out. I think if I would have um, sort of even had a, even had a rare season, an okay season, I think the way I got on with the uh, the, the coaching staff, the club itself, I think I'd have probably hopefully still been it, still been there today. Well, I, I've got to say that. Uh, the words sort of behind the scenes that I was hearing was about how good your attitude was, you know, because you, you, you often, you know, you'll hear different stories, obviously about different players and, and unanimously everybody was talking about how good your attitude was. And, and I suppose almost saying you, you were too hard, which I guess is referring to what you're saying there, but the, the buzz around you was, you know, that, that as a professional, it was spot on. Um, well, I'd like to know who's told you that. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> No, yeah, no, I, I do sort of pride myself on that. To be honest, uh, in my eyes, I just, I just want to work as hard as I can, um, and I have no regrets about it. Obviously, I was, I knew why I wasn't playing. I knew that it was down to a couple of injuries. Um, but there's no point sort of sulking around, moping around around the club. Um, I just want to enjoy going in every day. As I said, when I wasn't playing, I was disappointed but I wanted to if I wasn't playing push the other what we've just discussed and even in training and push them push the gap push everyone and I think if you sort of set that sort of store life as well as football you're not going to come far from the obviously we need to get to but um, I think it's as I said it, it's got where it was in football but you know, it's nice to sort of hear people say that about yeah, exactly why, essentially why you do it. But um, as I said, I was just really disappointed. It didn't work out. It didn't go to plan in terms of um, going up. Firstly, and then um, as I said, for myself, I didn't think I played an awful lot of football that year. Unfortunately, there were two um, frustrating games that stick in my head about you. Not not frustrated by you. The circumstances. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to call you out or anything. I was I was quite happy with you. Don't worry. <laughs> but but um, like a couple of games that you started when, well, firstly, it was frustrating to me that the actual team unit didn't function as well as normal, and you weren't getting enough of the ball. For example, the game at Dover that we started to start the season, we lose it one 0 it was you know, a gr- all grims against Dover are always grim. They, they go man to man and sort of cancel the game out. You were playing up front and and I thought it did well, but then you know, not yourself, other players missed a couple of good chances and we lose a scrappy nil-nil sort of game one nil. You know, that, that sort of match yeah, is um, a shame. Yeah, no, I think I was glad you were gonna say that as soon as you said Dover. I thought oh, it doesn't surprise me. It didn't go to plan. I've, I've never ever played against that time in my life, other than a Dover away. Um, yeah. I was playing up front, just in my natural position. Um, I think we went man to man. We knew they were going to play to man, so sort of tried to change it up a little bit. Um, but you'd literally walk. You could, I was playing centre forward. Literally walk and play stand by Sean Pierce and their centre half would walk with you. It was so yeah. strange. But no, I think and I, I know what you mean. Um, it, it, there was at times when. We're missing sort of at that year a creative midfielder at yeah. time. I think we had obviously um, Aki and Sam Wedgbury were 
good runners, solid solid footballers, but we missed a little bit of creativity. I think to all, at, at times they put um, Kells, um, the left winger in midfield, who was obviously a tidy footballer. I think they were trying to. So, and I, I felt that at times when I did play, um, we didn't have that sort of creativity to get the ball wide in conditions. And the difficulty is at Wrexham, the pitch is so big. If you don't get the ball high up the pitch, it's difficult to create as a winger uh, because you're that far away from the opposition's goal. But um, as I said, I think it was just it was a brand new team um, yeah. and we did have a great sort of relationship. But I think if we'd have just sort of kept it perhaps another 12 months core group, I think we'd have found another one more player to fit into that number 10 role, if you like. And it would have helped me sort of progress. But I know, I know the Dover game, what you are talking about, I was probably frustrated that. But <laughs> it is difficult to play against Dover. They're uh, not a great oh, yeah. team to play against, to be honest. <laughs> Never a pretty game against Dover, believe me. I, no, I, I really no, enjoyed no. the short journey down there to watch that match. <laughs> 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 they, 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 they should be playing at the French League, surely. It's a madness. Oh, no. um, I've never seen it before. I've never yeah. seen it before. But... <laughs> the, um, the, the other game that sort of sticks in my head, in a way, we played Fylde in the FA Cup. And I was commentating on the same side that you were on. And uh, you were up against uh, Francis Angol, who's you know was ra- really rated as a fullback and was quick. And for the first twenty minutes, yeah. you just tore him to pieces. You was dropping off, getting over on him, bang, going straight past him. But unfortunately, as that game developed, it turned into I think our worst performance of the season, and, and we just stopped getting the ball to you. And I just I remember in commentary just saying, "Why aren't they getting the ball out to the right hand side? Why aren't they just getting it back out there?" That's that's our one way of threatening. Them. I, I can. I can have that game um, because the number one, um, he he's a very good fullback. I think he's a Hartley Pool now. Um, he's gone on to he went on to Accrington later on in his career. He, he's always difficult, strong, quick, aggressive. Um, right, yeah. I can, the reason I remember that game is I don't know whether you noticed when I off. I um, on the Friday I rolled my ankle and had a balloon ankle. <laughs> if you can remember, it was black in it was black in blue. Um, and the gaffer said, uh, said do you want to play but I I hadn't played all year so yeah, it was yeah. like I'm playing yeah. I'm, get to my both and then we strap it up I'll be okay and like you said I definitely remember starting the game well yeah. um, and thinking be okay you know I'll be alright now um, and as the game sort of progressed it sounds almost like making excuses but that game it was a little trophy um, was it the FA Cup I think I'll check I think it was the, the cop you know, the FA Cup it was, the FA yeah. Cup. Um, um, I can remember the game. I think um, the, the I think the um, the I think the Gaffer had mixed up the team. I think um, I think they played a relatively strong team. We had sort of James Fringes, myself, um, a couple of lads, a sort of a few young lads in around the team and. It's a, as a winger, that's one of the most frustrating. And you feel like you get enjoy, and then the ball stops. Obviously, coming coming up to you, but I suppose it's like a game of chess, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. The other team are obviously going to recognise that we were getting joy down our right hand side to try and stop it. Um, but yeah, no, I, it is frustrating at times. But yeah, I think um, I can remember that game. To be honest, yeah. Hmm. I remember you playing in the diamonds as well. <laughs> well, you played Harrogate in the FA Trophy in a real sort of hybrid match as well. But, you know, it's the same. I'm talking, I'm giving these examples and it's really striking home to me. I that, that game. Yeah, we didn't see enough of you perhaps in the I, I, right position. <laughs> I, remember, I remember that game because I can remember the gaffer turning over the, the team sheet. 
looking, thinking, I'm playing centre midfield here. I've never played centre midfield in my life. It, it feels like back to, and obviously, remember being on the pitch, feeling back to front. It just you don't move as natural. Uh, but yeah, I think the I think the gaff was just. Trying to get minutes, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he was just trying to get Sorry, I think he was just trying to get minutes in everyone. But uh, yeah, I felt like that did sort of sum up a little bit um, the time at Wrexham in terms of just didn't quite work for me in terms of I, I was excited to play that game at home. FA, I think it was another cup game, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I, like we touched on earlier, I give it everything I, I had. I was running, yeah. trying, but it just wasn't natural I'm, I'm good at running with the ball running behind um, and that almost I was expected to do the other side of it be putting passing it out wide and if that if you feel quite right um, but yeah that wasn't a great experience but yeah. it's, a, it's all a learning curve isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is isn't it well Jack honestly, in a way that yeah. you know that season was a mischance um, and in a way your time with us sort of summarises that because you know, things could have worked out differently both for the club and for yourself and it's a real shame yeah. that it didn't but can I just say on behalf of all Wrexham fans thank yeah. you, I mean people don't understand or see the commitment of players playing like yourself when you've, you've got a you know, swollen ankle uh, coming, back, <laughs> coming back too soon from injury to try and play for the team people don't see that and appreciate it but on behalf of everyone, seriously thank you very much for all that you did for the club uh, and we were fortunate to have you for the time we did shame it wasn't longer well you're frozen so that now looks like an awkward silence
Yo. <laughs> Sorry. Um, can you can you hear me? Yeah. I, I just lost you there for a second. <laughs> that um, was bro- that looks brilliant from my end because basically I I you know said nice things about you. you and then you froze and it just looked like you were giving me this stare like so that's not right um i'm tempted to keep that as the ending you know because i think that'll be really funny and then i'll explain it uh, yeah no i think you were, I think you were just saying it you that um yeah no yeah no I um, I really enjoyed my time there, and as I said, I I've almost got like a sore for Wrexham, like I have yeah. some of the other clubs that I've been to, and always keep an eye out for them. Um, I was desperate for them to win against Dagenham over the week yeah. uh, weekend. I wanted them to go into the playoffs. I fancied them to go and do well this year, but I only wanted the best for them. I think the um, the owner, the new the new takeovers, would think. I think um, hopefully they'll bring in some good players, give them a chance to go up into League Two uh, where they need to be, and hopefully. Progress from there, um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. No, as I only want good things for the club. It's a great club, good fan base, brilliant. The club's brilliant, everything about it. Um, just need to get out of this league. That's the only thing that I think everyone would agree with. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jack. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. I'm Jake Hyde, and this is Dragonheart. Well. Uh, just to finish off the podcast, really, me and Mark want to talk about the buzz around the club, which has been, I, I, to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time, if any of there has been a time, you know, I've been supporting Wrexham there in League One, League Two, I can't remember a time where there's been this amount of buzz around the club, really. Well, we're recording this now on Thursday, Thursday morning, and as you said at the start, there's a huge queue outside because people are queuing up to pick up their season tickets and queues outside the racecourse seem to be the sort of image of the summer yeah. and I like that because it's quite a long time since we've, we've had this situation where people are constantly queuing, clearing up we haven't even played here yet yeah wow and we, we put them, the numbers we pulled for a, a friendly against Curzon Aston yeah. a friendly against Tamworth away where we pretty much invaded <laughs> West Midlands, a little West Midlands town. You must you know. have been pretty much half the attendance of Sonny Hull as well. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And, and people are clamouring to get tickets. They mm. want to come to these away games. And yeah. it's just such a buzz. And you can walk into the town and it, you do see the odd... In, in past years, you have seen the odd Wrexham top. You mainly, and I, I'm not saying this, when you, you go to Wrexham, you see a lot of Liverpool, Everton, Man United T-shirts everywhere. But now you go into town, you cannot walk past... As you're walking through town, you cannot not walk past a TikTok Wrexham top yeah. somewhere. You know, well, old, yeah. young, kids, yeah. uh, men, women, all sorts of different people from walks of life are really getting behind the club, and it's just such a happy place to be. Well, I was in town yesterday, and it really struck me exactly that point: the red and the green shirts, yeah. people all over the place wearing them, families all wearing them, and then an hour later, you messaged me. And by complete coincidence, made the same point in a, in a shall we say, enemy territory. Well, yeah, of course it was. It was um, <laughs> my lad's birthday yesterday, so we took him to Chester Zoo. Of course, I, of course, I had to put him in his new Wrexham top. I put my, my youngest lad in his in his Wrexham top. I put myself in a Wrexham top. 
I thought no one else would be no more Wrexham fans we're in enemy territory in Chester Zoo I got there I seen about 10 Wrexham tops <laughs> and, yeah. I, I, and every Wrexham top you've seen you just give each other a little nod <laughs> but I, and I, one thing I got to see Chester Zoo is quite a football territory place I've seen a lot of different fo- a lot yeah. of football tops and everyone's just sort of looking at each other out a lot of Blackburn a lot of Everton a lot of Liverpool United City but the, surely seen, plenty of Wolves <laughs> thank you very much for being here all week <laughs> <laughs> but, we, we, but what struck me was the sheer amount of Wrexham tops and people just banging on a Wrexham top because they're really proud to be a Wrexham yeah. fan at the moment. It, it took me back, really, and it's it's just absolutely brilliant, isn't it? I, I just think the people of Chester, they've been desperate for a football club to come along, and, and now they're speaking <laughs> what there is one. Um, it's just mad, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I, that struck me. I, I was impressed. Oh, what it's all in Wrexham, yeah. but then to see the Chester Zoo's full of Wrexham fans. <laughs> well, that is brilliant. Yeah, again, it's really nice for people, the people of Chester, to have a club down the road that they can be proud of <laughs> and really get behind. It's it it must be really nice for them too, mustn't yeah, it? Exactly, the lucky devils. And also, it's an also great time if you're a podcaster or a media. <laughs> if you like your media, you know, there's plenty out there now. There's yeah. there's not just Dragon Art. There's Rob Ryan Red, there's Fearless and Devotion, there's Wrexham Legends podcasts and the Wrexham Lager podcast all have different outlooks yeah. of the club and I just think it's so nice to hear these different interviews. It's such a positive t- time to be a Wrexham fan. There's so many, much information, so much media and it's just, yeah, great. Listen to all them podcasts as well as mm. ours. It's fantastic. Exactly. It's, it's so good to have such a range to choose from. Yeah. Because clubs of our size don't normally, yeah. but yeah, it's it's just wonderful to, to suddenly see all this interest, to see an audience for it as well. Ours is the best. Continue. Oh yeah, look, yeah. you don't see this on Fearless and Devotion. We are the first people. You were saying before we went in there because they announced the Wrexham Lager sponsorship for the stand about half an hour before we started recording. So we are the first people to sit in the Wrexham Lager stand. Yeah, quite proud of that. Exactly. Feel us, Rob Brain Red. You know, <laughs> you're all right, but come on, you, you, you can't do this, can you? So I think we are the winners. Oh, well, I, I thought it was because of the content, but oh, I don't know. <laughs> so. Well, look, the content is good, That's if not beautiful. better. Uh, you're, you're part of the content. I you? am part of the content, What's but. With this man? I'm just trying to be impartial here. But yeah, come on, look at this. Where's this, Feel us? Shots fired. Shots fired. I, I, just, I just want to point out, I did not either give him the ammunition or help him aim the gun. <laughs> no, I, like, honestly, I, like, I like to think there's more about us than yeah. plastic seats, I'll be honest with you. But, but no, but honestly, check all their podcasts out, some great content. Just get on it. It's, it's such a positive time to be a Wrexham fan. Let's, let's hope the lads can do the business on the pitch because that's where it really counts. Absolutely right. Just like the... Um, Dragonheart Fantasy League, which I dragged myself slightly off, but I'm still, I'm still biding my time. To be honest with you, uh, Mr. Said, Jarvis had a flyer last weekend as well. He's right up there. It's he's uh, top. I've forgotten his top. I better little check. Hasn't best check. I, I, I had a poor, poor turnout this week. I'm back and down to 38, I think, like that, Shocking. something like that. Uh, my top guys didn't have a, didn't have a good week. So mm-hmm. hopefully. Something better. Maybe Ivan Tony can finally score his sixth double hat trick this weekend. I'm hoping for. I'm thinking. Hopefully, you'll continue to deteriorate and get relegated to the um, the Blue Voice Chester podcast. 
Is that That's their podcast? Is it? I don't know. Just made yeah. There was one briefly, and it was done, I think, by the standards. I'm 41st, but I was 43rd the week before. I'm climbing. I'm climbing. Top of the league so is the excellently named Ben Rama Raman. Ben Rama, hang on a second. Ben Rama Nama. Kevin Daniels. Second, Daniel Jarvis. Third, Evan Jones. Oh, this is quite something, isn't it? Gangsters Allardyce, Evan Jones. Is I name. love I that. Say, that, is, that is beautiful. Um, so it's 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 all to play for in the old uh, league table. I'm not that far off the top if you don't bother with numbers. It's a it's a marathon, <laughs> not a sprint. But exactly. Yeah, everyone follow Twitter, follow follow Rex on Twitter, follow Dragonheart Twitter, follow the Instagram, the YouTube. Just follow it all. TikTok, follow it all. Enjoy. Get get involved with all the Rex and media, and let's hope the boys can give us a good result on Monday oh Saturday and, Saturday and Monday and as 30 placed Chris Brown's team suggests get behind oil money Wrexham I agree goodbye this is the final whistle podcast for the Wrexham AFC media team